Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. Well, folks, there's about six weeks remaining in this year, 2022, and what a year it's been. I believe the goal setting is a critical component to success. If you've not started planning for next year, you're probably going to start the year without a solid plan. And if you're planning in January, you missed the starting gun. Every year, our team takes three days to plan the upcoming year. And this year, we'll be doing that work from December 9th, 10th, and 11th. And it's going to be a face-to-face session held over those three days in Ottawa, Canada. We only have a few seats remaining, seriously, just a handful of seats remaining for those who would like to participate in our planning process. It would give you a seat at the table with the rest of our team as we develop our individual and personal goals for 2023. If you'd like to spend these three days with us, send an email to goals at victorjm.com and we'll send you information on how you can participate and work on your own goals following what we believe to be a very solid process for goal setting. Send an email to goals at victorjm.com. On today's show, we're talking about the importance of learning from the great financial crisis. And we started this discussion yesterday. It seems that the root causes of the financial crisis have been glossed over and not properly dealt with. And those who don't learn from history are bound to repeat it. Ben Bernanke was the Fed chairman at the time, and he went on record and said that the scope of the subprime mortgage loans were not sufficient to explain the magnitude of the financial destruction that took place during those years. He also went on to say that the Fed lacked the tools to effectively deal with the crisis. Well, the Fed stepped in to bail out some institutions, but the crisis did not appear first in the United States. The cascade of dominoes started overseas, and it did not involve any U.S. entities at first. The first inkling of a problem happened on August 7, 2007, when trading in three funds based in Liechtenstein came to a virtual standstill. These were money market funds denominated in U.S. dollars trading in London and securitizing a basket of assets that were considered to be high quality, almost on par with U.S. Treasuries in terms of quality. The warning was issued by BNP Paribas, the second largest bank in Europe at the time, on August the 7th, and resulted in a halt of trading of those funds on August the 9th. On August 10th, separate emergency meetings were convened involving the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, and the European Central Bank. The Fed concluded the problem was outside the United States, and therefore the U.S. had nothing to do with it, never mind the fact that the fund was denominated in U.S. dollars. The European Central Bank determined it was not a European issue because it was denominated in U.S. dollars, and securitized assets were based in the U.S., The Financial Crisis Inquiry Commission that was convened following the financial crisis issued a detailed report of 662 pages back in 2011. In the course of its research and investigation, the commission reviewed millions of pages of documents, interviewed more than 700 witnesses, and held 19 days of public hearings in New York, Washington, and communities across the country that were hard hit by the crisis. If you read the report, it seems like the financial crisis was like a balloon popping. But rather than focusing on the balloon and all the facets surrounding the environment, they focused on a single narrative of getting air into the balloon and then the pin that popped the balloon. They mentioned Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns, and subprime loans plentifully throughout the report. But they never talked about the counterparty risk and what happened internationally. It was just a U.S.-only problem. Well, the commission report also includes a dissenting opinion report, with four out of the ten commissioners expressing a dissenting opinion. And I'll read directly from one of the dissenting opinions. 
the commission's majority erred in assuming that they knew the causes of the financial crisis. Instead of pursuing a thorough study, the commission's majority used its extensive statutory investigative authority to seek only the facts that supported its initial assumptions, that the crisis was caused by deregulation or lax regulation, greed and recklessness on Wall Street, and predatory lending in the mortgage market unregulated derivatives, and a financial system addicted to excessive risk-taking. The Commission did not seriously investigate any other cause, and it did not effectively connect the factors. A credit bubble appeared both in the United States and Europe, and this tells us that the primary explanation for the credit bubble should focus on factors common to both regions. Home prices in the UK, Ireland, Spain, France, Italy, and Australia experienced similar effects in the United States. But how could it be that subprime loans in the United States affected so many other regions of the world? And as we discussed on yesterday's show, Canadian real estate was largely insulated from the financial crisis. So why is that? What was different? Large financial firms failed in Iceland, Spain, Germany, and the UK, among others. And not all of these firms bet solely on U.S. housing assets. They operated in a different regulatory and supervisory regime than U.S. commercial and investment banks. In many cases, these European systems have stricter regulation than the U.S., and yet they still faced failures, similar to those in the U.S. In the dissenting statement, the commissioners say that these findings move inadequate international capital and liquidity standards higher up on the list of causes, and it moves the differences between the regulation of U.S. commercial investment banks down the list. We're seeing the same types of liquidity problems that we saw in 2007 in the current international markets. There is a global shortage of U.S. dollar-denominated foreign reserves. The collateral being pledged by lenders who are seeking additional liquidity is increasingly under scrutiny and in many cases being rejected. The problem is that the global financial system does not have the collaboration to prevent another crisis like 2007 from happening again. The Fed looks domestically and doesn't get involved in foreign affairs even if the transactions are denominated in U.S. dollars. Yet the U.S. dollar is the world reserve currency. The Fed is acting more like a domestic bank regulator and not a central bank. That's one of the gaps that Chairman Bernanke was referring to. On this show, you've heard me speak frequently about international issues of liquidity. What I'm describing on today's show is precisely the reason for continuing to look there for signs of a future financial crisis, because the safeguards that would prevent an international cascade of both fiscal and monetary issues simply doesn't exist we could see a repeat of 2007. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.